Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Fifty-fourth program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative. We have been dedicated to social change for over 25 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're having a conversation about the recent opening up of a new discussion about Australia becoming a republic rather than still being somehow governed by an unelected monarch. Mm-hmm. With the recent election of the Labour government, as well as a lot more by the usual number of unusual number <laughs> uh, of independents and members of small parties being elected, many people are now more seriously considering the end of the outdated stranglehold the two major parties have over Australian politics. Yeah, of course. In reality, there have been three parties dominating the scene for way too long. There's the Labour Party and the two-headed Liberal National Coalition. Two-headed sounds like the Hydra monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Already early May this year, we talked about the two-party system that has taken hold in our country. We named the programme Australia's Four Two-Party System and why we need to crack it open. Mm-hmm. And it has finally cracked open at the last election, we think. Obviously, we're not willfully ignoring the present Greens or earlier Democrats parties. But with more than a quarter so-called crossbenchers in the Senate and 15% crossbenchers in the House of Representatives, things do start to look quite different. Mm. And it will make a real difference to political procedures in Parliament from now on. Yeah, and it's about time. So we inherited the crusty old two-party system several hundred years ago from England, the former colonial power, with the two parties then being the Whigs, which was the newly emerging industrial class, and the Tories, the traditional nobility. And of course, we've also been influenced by the US, where the two-party political model has dominated US politics. Presumably having the, pre- the, the ideal model of how one is to run a democracy. Yeah, what a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Increasingly, though, the challenge to that model feels quite fundamental, if not really system-changing in Australia. Indeed, neither of the major two parties can now run the country without the agreement of a large number of crossbenchers across the two chambers of parliament, with the new Labour government positively announcing that they also want to start again discussing the possibility of Australia becoming a republic, mm-hmm. an other traditional pillar of how we do politics in Australia is subject to fundamental questioning. Yeah, so that hence our subject for the program today. Once again, we're hearing public debate about Australia still being ruled by a distant monarch. Yeah, questions will be posed about the meaning and rightfulness of being somehow governed by a distant monarch 
we don't even vote for. And, and Jacques, you mean questions will be posed, you're talking about in the media, in public That's, commentary. Exactly, yeah. And about the fact that we presumably need to be interested in all the shenanigans the members of the monarch's extended family keep getting themselves into, <laughs> to the delight, of course, of the sensationalist media. Yeah, and which is really strange when you think that the old justification for rule by monarchy monarchy is that they or royalty is that they're somehow superior in merit or virtue mm. and that somehow the royal family deserves special consideration for their quite often quite bizarre extravagances and stranger still that they are still to be still seen to be governing governing us by explicit reference to a deity whoever less subjects will still have faith in at the mm, moment. Yeah. Well, the, the royal family, the monarch, is head of the Church but of that's England. Correct. Yeah. That's correct. It's, it's, it's the theocracy, really. Whilst all of this is good fodder for paparazzi and for publishers of sections of our media, growing doubts about the meaning, the financial and political implications of this constitutive element of our system can again start to be openly questioned. Mm, which is what we're doing today. The, yeah, the pageantry of it all still mesmerises and diverts the attention of numbers of people from the perceived banalities of their own daily lives, it seems. Mm. For others, it often causes an angry and powerless discharge of feelings of subordination, envy, impotence in the face of all the daily injuries and insults life meets out for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Of course, a final few do identify with the aged queen and other symbolic remnants of imperial and colonial power, just probably making living in the past a little bit more bearable in, mm. and in the present as well. So Jacques, are you talking about maybe the security of the known in an uncertain world? Yes, however funny that known is. It would, it would deserve a more in-depth analysis, obviously, something for a future program, probably, that we analyse that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it still does seem that, for Australia at least, the years, months, weeks and days of royal infatuation are numbered. Mm -hmm. Greg Barnes, C, uh, SC, he wrote about this in The Age on the 11th of June. From 2000 to 2002, Barnes was chairman of the Australian Republic Movement and national campaign director of the Yes case in the 1999 referendum about becoming a republic. Yeah. So, as, yeah, sorry, as, go on. I was yeah. going to say, Jacques, we probably have listeners who don't even remember that because they were right, too but, young or not yeah, born. But as those who do remember... The no's they won, obviously, not mm. least thanks to some nifty footwork by then Liberal Prime Minister John Howard. Yeah. But now the newly elected PM, Anthony Albanese, he seems ready to revisit the idea of Australia be becoming a republic and shaking off this really sorry, <laughs> I'm getting tongue -tied to anachronistic rule by a UK monarch. <laughs> so with this mm. in mind... Albanese's appointed an assistant minister for the Republic, Matt Thistlewaite. So, of course, Barnes, uh, Greg Barnes, he applauds this as a significant development in the campaign 
for an Australian head of state. Yeah, that's right. It shouldn't Barnes, be that too radical, should it? <laughs> that's right. But Barnes indicates that the Australian constitution will finally cut the last of the apron strings that attach us to our former colonial master, which is quite brave of Barnes to compare the monarchy with a kitchen accessory as common as an apron. Mm, so, staying in tune with our topic, let's listen to God Save the Hungry by Grace Petrie. Am I an agitator for not thinking it's cool that some were born to suffer? While some were born to rule Does that make me a traitor? Before you toss that word around Please understand That I love this land of mine And yeah, it's true God ain't my thing But if he was, I'd rather sing For all of the refugees Perishing in foreign seas Those bodies washed up on the shores Were fleeing our state-sponsored wars and our leader sees nothing wrong so I wrote him a brand new song that goes God save the hungry God save the poor God save those desperate souls whose lives were torn apart by war God save the homeless and those with disabilities and all the other targets of this heartless ideology and there's a long and shameful list of folks we need God to assist but those who sleep in palaces at night I think they're doing alright and Britain could be greater if it had fairness at its heart Oh, this nation altogether is more than the sum of its parts But they will call you a traitor For even daring to believe a sleight of hand From those who bleed this land dry And yeah, it's true, God ain't my thing But if he was, I'd rather sing For all of the refugees perishing in foreign seas Those bodies washed up on shores we're fleeing our state-sponsored wars and our leader sleeps sound at night because he's got all the lyrics right well you're listening to think again 3cr 855 am on your dial 3cr digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au today we're talking about australia becoming a republic and ditching rule by the english monarch and her potential successors but before talking more about moves for us to become a republic, we thought we should have a look at what the Australian Constitution really lays down in relation to our system of government and the role of the English monarchy and the Governor-General in our Constitution itself. Mm, it's really interesting to look at our Constitution. When researching for our program on the two-party system in early May, I was really struck by how different... The system of government we have is or, or feels uh, from what's laid out in the Australian, actually laid out in the Australian Constitution, or, and what we're told is in, the, or, uh, or what we're told is our system, mm -hmm. and implied 
that it's in our constitution. So, I'm, of course, I'm talking about the constitution for the federation of our states that came into effect in 1901 and still located us within the realm of the English monarchy, which is what we're talking about. It, it is quite different from what we understand is actually happening in practice, I found. And it's quite different from how our system of governance is presented in the media and even in official government communications, on government websites and in school books and in educational materials. So there's a lot of glossing over going on. Mm. Firstly, it is important to mention that our constitution is very different from those constitutions which are central to most European continental constitutions, something we will further explain in another program. Mm. Secondly, as we pointed out in our program in early May, there is nothing in the founding constitution about a two-party system. Mm -hmm. Actually, political parties were not mentioned at all in the constitution until the year 1977, when a successful referendum amended the constitution. This was a consequence of needing to fill a casual vacancies in the Senate and legislating that this replacement or re their replacement would be from the same political party as the senator who created the vacancy by leaving. Mm. Apparently, this was the first time that political parties were mentioned at all. So the Constitution leaves the question of the number of parties wide open. Yeah, and it doesn't even explicitly require them uh, really, and it remains rather vague about them. Mm, that's right. So but we what, don't have to have parties no, according not to really, the constitution. not really. But what about the role of the monarch and the governor-general? Mm -hmm. Well, doing a bit of a refresher, the constitution lays out three arms of government, the, legisl the legislative, the executive, and the judiciary. So far, so good. Mm -hmm. For this program, we'll stay with the legislative and the executive arms. The legislative consists of the Parliament of Australia where laws are being proposed, debated and decided upon. Yeah. And it's the Parliament we hear about. Yeah, that's and right. We can see on our television if we're inclined mm -hmm. sometimes. So in the legislative arm of government, the Parliament is made up of three components. And we'll pause to give listeners a chance to think about what those three components are. Mm. Ah, okay. <laughs> so we'll see who got the three. Well, maybe I'll do the obvious ones first. So one is the House of Representatives mm -hmm. that we vote for and forms government. The next one is the Senate, which we know about, the House of Review. The third one, which is really listed, normally listed for, or listed first in the Constitution, it's the Queen or Monarch, represented by the Governor-General. So they're the three components of Parliament, the Queen or Monarch, the House of Reps and the Senate. So it's like a triangle with three points. It will be clear for most listeners how the members of the two Houses of Parliament are elected. So we want to go straight to the arm of government referred to as the Executive. As the name suggests, the executive carries out and enforces the laws made by Parliament, mostly by forming policies and creating programmes to enact or implement them. OK, so the Parliament, in brief, makes the laws 
and the executive carries them out. Yeah, yeah, but there's more. Going mm -hmm. back to the role of the monarch or queen in our constitution, the governor-general represents the monarch in parliament in the legislative branch, yeah. along with the House of Representatives and the Senate, as Jen just said, mm -hmm. whilst the, the governor-generals are selected and proposed by the existing government and its leader, the monarch needs to agree to their appointment. Uh -huh. Then there's the Federal Executive Council, Mm -hmm. Federal what? Executive Council, <laughs> which is the legal body for advising the Governor-General, and that is made up of government, government ministers, mm -hmm. sitting government ministers. Strangely, the Governor-General presides over meetings of the Federal Executive Council that advises him or her. <laughs> Confused? I am. We all are. So the Federal Executive Council advises the Queen's Rep., the Governor-General, and really, Jacques, we don't hear much about that at all, do we? No, no, we don't. But we do hear a lot about the Cabinet and the inner circle minister that sits in that Cabinet. However, again, there is no Cabinet in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not a legal entity at all, mm. according to the Constitution. But the Cabinet and the inner circle ministers it, in it, in that Cabinet, presided over by the the Governor-General, they rely on the Federal Executive Council to give legal, legal effect to their decisions. That means to all laws. Yeah, so all the decisions made by Cabinet mm -hmm. get legal effect from the Federal Executive Council presided over, whose mm -hmm. meetings are presided over That's by right. the Governor-General. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, uh, and again, the inner ministry overseeing important Jacques, you're sighing, but I understand why. <laughs> So the inner ministry overseeing important portfolios is not a legal entity, as That's you say. Correct. The cabinet's not a legal entity. It needs the federal executive council to approve its decisions. Yep, and then the federal executive council is presided over by the GG, which I just said. And the federal executive council, <coughs> excuse me, is an advisory body for the monarch's rep. <laughs> so in any case. It places, I think um, what I'm getting from all of this too, is it places government ministers in the position of being mere advisors to the Queen where, and the uh, effect of decisions being carried out mm -hmm. is through the Queen and through the Queen's representative, the mm -hmm. GG. That's right. So, wow, I just thought we'd voted, and really looking at the recent federal election, I just thought we'd voted for our government and a PM to govern us in that federal election. But that's, that's a story we're given anyway. Evidently, it's quite different from the system described in the Constitution. Well, there's evidently a vast difference between what really happens due to conventions inherited from the English Westminster system of Parliament and what has evolved here over time in Australia. Yet, the dominant narrative is that we are all adhering closely to the Constitution and cannot make sometimes very necessary changes without changes to the Constitution. Yeah. Indeed, that reference has become a bit of a slogan to oppose whatever doesn't fit in the worldview or the program of the party who is doing the opposing. Yeah. Usually call that's not constitutional. Yeah. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Hi, I'm Robbie Thorpe. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison radio series. 
where we share the mic with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander men and women in Victoria's prisons. Beyond the Bars started in 2002, and this year marks 21 years on air. So tune in at 11am each day during NADOC from Monday the 4th of July to Friday the 8th of July. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're commenting on the announced moves for Australia to become a republic and we're unpicking our current system of government according to our constitution. We talked about uh, a bit about the legislative branch and the parliament before the break, but let's look at the executive branch that implements the law, the laws made by parliament as laid out in the constitution. How are key executive com- uh, government positions filled? So let's do it again. <laughs> so, well, surprise, surprise, the head of the executive government is the sovereign, currently the queen. And it's an inherited position, of course, and not voted for. As the Queen cannot be everywhere at once, the poor thing, the Governor-General represents the monarch as head of executive government. Yeah, and that's as well as the Governor-General being, of course, one of three parts of the Parliament in the legislative branch where the laws are made. Mm-hmm. Along with yeah, exactly with the House of Reps and the, and the Senate, and whilst the Governor General is selected and proposed by the Australian government, the appointment has to be confirmed by right. the monarch. That's right. In fact, yeah, sorry. In, go in on, fact, right? in fact, ministers and prime ministers are not recognised in the constitution either, which is sort of crazy if yeah, you think about it. it but after being elected to either the, either the House or the Senate, they are, and that's a quote, formally appointed pursuant to the Constitution by the Governor-General. Yeah, so, Jacques, what do you mean by that? Do you mean ministers are not recognised unless or until appointed by the Governor-General? Is yeah, that what indeed, you mean? indeed. That is really interesting. So, And they do that, as we have witnessed just a couple of weeks ago, with their hand on Bible or Koran. Mm. Overall, it's a rather strange and convoluted process, mm. isn't it? And all of this seems to work okay, and smoothly when nothing too controversial comes up. Yeah, and and while we pretend that the Constitution isn't laying out what it is really laying out, and we pretend that we aren't subject to a distant monarch, and and I guess it might all seem to work okay when we pretend it isn't so. But but really, Jacques, imagine if you were in a community organisation and you were told that the constitution said the mayor had to always be the president mm-hmm. and you'd say well that's crazy why does the uh, does our community organisation have to always be presided over by the mayor but then people might say oh don't worry we never follow that <laughs> which is what's sort of happening mm-hmm. in which case wouldn't you fix if you were reviewing it wouldn't you fix the constitution Mm-hmm. So it doesn't happen in the future, and it's in a line with agreed-on practice of the organisation. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, what if someone said, "Oh, the mayor, but he's really nice," or he mm. or she is a really nice person? Mm. Well, okay, that's okay for the moment. What if they aren't in the future? And what if it says in your constitution that their children could also? 
beside her of your community <laughs> yeah. organisation. Yeah, that's right. So you'd yeah. fix it, wouldn't you? In yes. any organisation, you'd fix it. <laughs> or at least make it more more simple and transparent. Well, transparent yeah, and reflect yeah. what you really want to do. That's right. It still remains worth remembering some of the things the Governor-General does and can do, which is giving royal assent to enacting laws and withholding consent to a bill if it's at the Queen's displeasure. Displeasure. So apparently if you have power, you don't even have to give a good reason. Your pleasure is enough. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the monarch via the, gov the Governor-General can even disallow a bill within a year of the the uh, GG, <laughs> Governor-General, Governor giving royal assent and the Governor-General can also summon, pause or dissolve Parliament. Uh -huh. Indeed, we shouldn't forget the dismissal of Prime Minister Gough Whitlam by an unelected Governor-General in 1975. Mm. This is something which is still analysed, discussed and commented upon, both positively and negatively. Some refer to it as a checks and balance mechanism. Others will claim that it works against Australian independence. Hmm. And yeah, and, and the, meanwhile, also other voices which are coming up. Uh, we just recently heard Lydia Thorpe. Oh, saying oh, what, that's uh, right. Yeah, Lydia Thorpe came came out very strongly, and of course, Lydia Thorpe is Aboriginal activist and senator, and she says that a treaty goes hand in hand with be, becoming a republic, mm -hmm. and she points out how ridiculous it is and how anomalous to have to ask the Governor-General representing a distant monarch to approve important decisions for Australia's future, yeah. like a treaty. That's right. Whilst we haven't described the fullness of the system as it practically works and mostly without much upheaval, the monarchic maniacal powers of the monarchy and the, and, and the Governor-General in Australia are real. But we finally are invited, finally are invited again to discuss them with a chance of getting rid of them. Yep. After all, of the, the authors of my present favourite book, The Dawn of Everything, by the late David Graeber and David Wingrove suggest, when discussing the historical emergence of states and monarchies and forms of government, and I quote them, if we are trying to understand the appeal of monarchy as a form of government, it likely has something to do with its ability to mobilize sentiments of a caring nature and abject terror at the same time. The king is both the ultimate individual, his quirks and fancies always to be indulged like a spoiled baby, and at the same time the ultimate abstraction, since his powers over mass violence and often mass production can render everyone the same, subjects to his whims, mm. unquote. So we should probably have a bit of a, a think lot about to think that. About, That's Jacques. right. When our media tell us that Prince William, our possible future king, recently was selling the Big Issue Journal in London Street, as he cares about homelessness, as the same as the New Daily reported on Wednesday, he and I quote again will celebrate his fortieth birthday over the English summer in an extravagant bash at Windsor Castle, surrounded by hundreds of family and friends. We've watched him grow from a tow-headed schoolboy to bravely walking behind his mother's coffin, to a dashing air-sea rescue pilot and a balding father of three. <laughs> 
His life story so far has been told through iconic images and moments. Unquote. Indeed, very much like his subjects, probably. Mm-hmm, you think? So anyway, Jacques, you might be jumping the gun a bit. Uh, before that, we probably need to think about King Charles of Australia, or rather, think again, fast, and stop it happening. <laughs> yeah, thank you for Our community announcement are uh, sorry for just interrupting that briefly. Uh, thanking everyone who has been donated because we are still in the middle of uh, 3CR's Radiothon for the year. We have Paul to thank, Loretta, Leanne, Mary, Alexi, and we're sort of like just over halfway. So please, please, please think about us, think about Think Again, and think about 3CR needing support. If you can. That's right. Yeah, and I'd like to thank 3CR staff for supporting the campaign and running the station on a shoestring in general, doing such a fantastic job. I'd like to thank volunteers who peopled the phones and helped with the Radiothon and also thank past guests who provided testimonials and messages in our last program. And quickly, quickly, thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio and supporting our program. If you want to send us a message, you can email borderlands at borders at borderlands.org.au. Our past programs are available on podcast and the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. And meanwhile, stay tuned, <coughs> excuse me, for Jailbreak, which gives a voice to our brothers and sisters in prison. And you're listening to Milkumana by King Stingray. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.